You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell. They hate me. I hate them. I hate everybody. And national recruiting analyst, Adam Gorney. I could definitely see a little disappointment in the Gorney household Saturday night. That's right. It's another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast here on Rivals.com. We are coast to coast. Adam Gorney, national recruiting analyst in L.A. Mike Farrell out on the East Coast in Connecticut. Mike, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. What did you think about our new intro? Did you like like our new intro? Yeah, I like it. I I always love, you know, throwing curveballs out there and, and mixing it up. And, you know, we got a new uh, we got a new topic today called hot garbage, which uh, I think people will like. It's just better than dumpster fire. So we're always adding new things to the podcast. And that's a nice new intro. All right. You never know what to expect on the Godfather and Gorney. So, well, let's jump into it. Um, a lot of stuff going on over the weekend in college football. First, you wanted to talk Georgia and Mississippi State, uh, you know, a very lopsided victory for Georgia. Not quite what I expected anyways. What did you think about that game? I mean, this weekend stunk, I thought, in college football. I mean, the marquee games were not great games. Um, you know, Saturday night was sort of flipping around between Georgia and Mississippi State. And, um, you know, obviously Notre Dame and Michigan State was on, you know, but Penn State, Iowa was kind of a, a boring game as well. And there just wasn't a lot of thrilling matchups um but you know georgia slamming mississippi state i thought was the most impressive performance other than tcu and oklahoma state uh we'll get to them in a second but that georgia defense continues to impress me um jake reed's kid i thought was all over the field for georgia um the pass rush the way they can run sideline to sideline and and they really do hit so i think the defense is really going to make a difference for georgia as they try to break through you know, win the SEC East and try to compete with Alabama. Um, I told everybody Vanderbilt had zero chance of competing with Alabama. That was just ridiculous. I hope somebody, maybe my friends at Old Takes Exposed or whatever, Freezing Cold Takes, can find all those people that said that Vanderbilt might upset Alabama because that was an absolute joke. Um, but Georgia looks to me clearly like the number two team in the SEC, as we said last week. And um, I still think they're they're far off from competing with Alabama with a freshman quarterback and, you know, some, some offensive issues, but that defense looks great. Now, looking back, you you think uh, everybody felt Mississippi state could come in there and really compete and maybe even win that game. But the way college football plays out, you know, Mississippi state blows out LSU is feeling really good about themselves. And of course the next week they're going to go to Georgia and really lay an egg. And the, the defense was great, but Mississippi state's, Mississippi State's defense is really good, too. And for Georgia to kind of move up and down the field, score 31 on them, that was impressive. I think, you know, it's like a triple threat in the in the running game now with Chubb and Michelle. But DeAndre Swift is second on that team in rushing and kind of adds a different element, kind of a surprise element, speed to the outside. And Chubb is the pound up the middle that gets up in the middle. So, you know, I think this is a very good team. The defense, obviously, under Kirby is going to be really good. Uh, you know, uh, you know they could be a force to be reckoned with. We'll see in the SEC championship game because I definitely think this is a better team than Florida. Well, and it's it's SEC attrition. Don't forget. I mean, these people just the, the teams just beat each other up, which is such absolute crap. You know, like years ago, you know, a few years ago, even that was the case. I think where there were so many good SEC teams and they would just beat each other up. 
Uh, and and there's so many of them over the last many years, uh, probably three or four years, maybe have been higher ranked than they should be in the preseason poll. So when they lose early, they don't drop out bat far enough. And then everybody says, well, SEC is the toughest conference out there and people are beating each other up. And Mississippi State coming off a win over LSU now, they've beat up, you know, heading to Georgia. It's crap. This is not a good conference. Uh, there isn't great quarterback play. And as we spoke about last week, it's conservative offense and win with defense. And that's what Georgia does. I mean, I think Fromm threw, what, 13 passes? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. You know, which is great. You know, give the kid a chance uh, to, to you know, not lose the game for you. Uh, his touchdown to Nada was set up by the run game. And, um, you know, just, just – Win with your running game and your defense, and that's what Georgia's going to do. And I think that's why, you know, we saw Florida go to Kentucky and, and without – if Kentucky had decided to actually put perhaps a cornerback on a wide receiver on two different touchdown plays, maybe they would have won. But, you know, God forbid you actually put a corner over a wide receiver. I mean, if you saw those two touchdowns – Yeah, the one to Cleveland it was, was just, amazing, the 45-yarder. Well – but the other one, too. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 there was nobody there. There's just nobody on that side of the field. There's a wide receiver sitting there, and he's trying not to jump out of his uniform and jump up and down and wave and scream that there's nobody covering me at all. And he did a good job of doing that. But, I mean, how on earth does Kentucky just let two wide receivers, uh, you know, go completely uncovered to lose that game? Florida didn't win that game. Kentucky lost it. So, you know, Georgia is clearly, to me, the better team, the more well, well-rounded team. And, you know, it's Alabama, and then it's Georgia, and then it's everybody else. Well, watch out, Georgia, because it seems like Vegas is setting up Georgia the same way they did Mississippi State this past week. Only a touchdown favorite at Tennessee this week. It's gonna, that, that begs, they're begging you to take that Georgia line there. So I think uh, the same thing that happened to Mississippi State, a feel-good win over LSU, and then they have to go on the road to Georgia, get blown out. Uh, you know, Tennessee will be mentioned in our hot garbage segment, but, um, you know, that that's only seven-point line that, that is begging people to take Georgia, and, and Vegas feels that Tennessee could probably cover that number. And they will. Um, they will take that. You know, everybody will take that, and that will move to probably 10 you know, by the end of the week, um, you know, but Vegas knows more than anybody on earth. I remember two weeks ago when I saw the, the Vanderbilt Kansas state line, as I was going through it and I'm like, what is wrong with this picture? And Vegas knew they didn't call the outright win, obviously, but I think the line was less than seven. And you're talking about a top 25 team against a team in Vanderbilt that just never beats anybody ranked. So Vegas knows. So when you see a line like that, that's screwy, Always take the one that looks like you should never, ever bet a penny on them. So that's going to be an interesting game if that line stays close, you know, because Vegas knows all. Yeah. Well, especially that game's at Tennessee, right? You don't see that very often, a big spread like that for or a big home dog. Yeah. Um... And sh- they should be, though. I mean, they look horrible. We'll get to them in hot garbage, though. Let's, right, get, we'll to a real, let's get to a real team, yeah. Let's get to TCU because – you know, they were getting what? Was it 13 or something? Yeah, I think it closed around 13 or so. And, and that was another line that said, wow, you know, TCU hasn't, you know, really played anybody. And Oklahoma State's been blowing everybody out. And then 
TCU's defense just looked phenomenal in that win. Mason Rudolph couldn't do anything. The receivers couldn't get open. Uh, you know, TCU's offense, your buddy Kenny Trill Hill looked, looked really solid. You know, they got everywhere on the field that they wanted to. And uh, that was an impressive win to go to Stillwater and do that to, to such an offense, you know. Yeah, and speaking of trademarks, Mason and the Multiples is now down the toilet. Yeah, that's so that's not that's dead. But Kenny, I wonder how much Kenny Trill Hill is worth now, because didn't they trademark that? Um, you know, when he was at Texas A and M, so that must be worth at least at least uh, two nickels, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but but TCU does what they do best, which is take away the thing that. Uh, their opponent likes to do the most. And, you know, they did a great job of taking away the vertical passing game of Oklahoma State and making them try to be patient and try to go intermediate and short. And it obviously didn't work. And, and Oklahoma State pressed and Rudolph threw two picks and had a fumble. And the right tackle was injured. And then I think their backup Ray Tyco got injured, and I mean, he was under duress, and I thought they were going to come back and pull it out um, just because their offense is so explosive, but you got to give credit to Gary Patterson, who's a great defensive coach, and, and TCU, are they for real? I mean, are they really a team that can beat Oklahoma now, um, and, and are they a team that can win the Big 12? Uh, they sure did look like it, but that Oklahoma State defense is bad. And I knew it was bad coming in. I thought Oklahoma's defense was bad coming in, and they looked horrible against Baylor as well. So now I think TCU has a shot, as, as, as good a shot as anybody, because what Patterson does is takes away your strength. And Oklahoma State and Oklahoma don't take away any strengths, it appears. Uh, as good as Oklahoma's defense looked against Ohio State, we kind of see how you can game plan against Ohio State. They made Zach Smith look like Tom Brady in that Baylor game. So I think TCU's for real because of their defense. Yeah, I think that the thinking with Oklahoma State, and I don't, you know, this is everybody's thinking, so it's nothing you know, miraculous here, but it was... Wait a minute, Gorney's going Gorney's gonna to say something that's that's not, like, you're, you're going to say what everybody else says? It's not going to be a hot take? It's, it's not really, it's kind of a cold take, really. Uh, Oklahoma State could score every single time they have the ball. They put so much pressure on defenses that their own, you know, crappy defense could just hang on and, and they'd win games like that because their offense was so good. Oklahoma, I still think their defense is really solid. They overlooked Baylor. There's no doubt about it. They went down there and, and overlooked them. Uh, it didn't seem like they had any kind of game plan. They didn't prepare. Their offense really didn't look all that great. Their defense looked terrible. Um, TCU, probably for real. You know, Gary Patterson being a defensive coach in the Big 12 is – probably one of the hardest jobs in all of college football because of the offenses he has to face every single week. But it's not easy for them. They have West Virginia coming in a couple weeks. They have to go to Kansas State. They have to go to Oklahoma. It looks like Texas Tech is actually, you know, their defense has a pulse and their offense is, continues to hum up and down the field. So it's not going to be easy for them. There's still a lot of challenges ahead. Um, but what they did in Stillwater was really, really impressive. Oklahoma is clearly the best team in the Big 12. I revised my playoff picks because they're so horrible. I mean, I, I got one playoff team that's 0-2 in Florida State, and we'll get to them in hot garbage. Um, I've got another in Ohio State, which, you know, obviously is beating up on Sisters of the Poor lately, but 
that offense is easily containable. Um, who else did I have? So you're uh, Alabama. Bad. Yeah, at Oklahoma State, uh, they're 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 looking horrible, and uh, you know now they could go and beat Oklahoma, maybe you know if they have the right day. But what I like about Oklahoma that I'm seeing this year, and again, it's nothing new. It's something I should have known. So this isn't a real hot take either, but their offensive line is very physical. They can run the football as well as they can throw it. You know, Mayfield didn't throw a lot of passes. He had three touchdown passes, but Abdul Adams, Trey Sermon, one-two punch, they were able to have that offensive balance that you need. Um, And if they can run the football, which they can, that helps them, you know, because they can control – you know, the clock a bit. Now, again, their defense in the secondary looked atrocious against Baylor, and that's a problem, you know, that they're going to have to solve. But they can beat you in different ways. Um, Mayfield probably won't have bad games. I mean, he's just a good quarterback, really good quarterback, and very efficient, and he's such a competitor. But if they have to beat you with a power running game, they will. And if they have to beat you uh, just throwing the ball 50 times, they can do that as well. And I don't think there's a team in the Big 12 that can do that consistently. So TCU maybe for real. Oklahoma hands down. My new playoffs, four weeks in, I got new playoff projections. Oh, yeah, and it's going to change a lot. Listen, I'm going to change it until I get it right. And then whoever <laughs> wins the playoff, I'm going to say, I, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, it's not going as well for me. Like last year, I picked Clemson to win it all from start to finish, and I stuck with them. And even when they looked horrible against Pitt and they should have lost NC State, I'm like, I believe, I believe, I believe. But now my picks are so bad uh, that I'm, I'm – this is how bad things are. I mean, Oklahoma I like a lot, right? And I did before, but I picked Oklahoma State – Maybe I thought I was being smarter than everybody else. I got Penn State. I'm a believer in Penn State now, so now you know they're going to lose two out of their next three or whatever. But um, and Alabama is the toddler pick, I call it, because anybody who's you know uh, age three and under can pick Alabama every year to go to the playoff. And then I got Clemson, uh, who I chose Florida State over Clemson, and I still have the Pac-12 shutout. So Gorney, since you never go out on a limb, and I should have got your preseason picks. Because yours would probably look as abysmal as mine. Or week four, give me your four playoff teams. Uh, okay, it would definitely be Alabama. There's no question they're going to be in. I, I would be shocked Todd, if, they, if they lose. Uh, it, it, well, you have to go Alabama-Clemson because the ACC has no teams that are even respectable uh, other than Clemson. Florida State is in our hot garbage segment. NC State's decent. Um, I you know if My, Miami, Miami's decent. Miami's decent. We'll see. Toledo gave him a good run there for a while. Yeah, Toledo's those are rockets, man. It's hard to battle rockets. Oklahoma. I'm sticking with Oklahoma State. I'm going Oklahoma State. They beat Oklahoma it's, twice. You're going. Oh my God! All right. Okay. Well, you're not even going with your own pen. I, State, I get huh? criticized for not going out on a limb. Then I go out on a limb, and then I hear, "Oh my God." <laughs> Well, that's just that's just awful. But that's fine. That's what I picked at the beginning of the season, so it's equally awful. Four weeks in, it's more awful, if that's a word, or awful-er, because now we see the, the way to beat Oklahoma State. But who's your fourth one? Penn State. Is it Sammy and the Miracles? Oh, you're going with Penn State. There you go. So you think the Pac-12 shut out as well? I do. Um, me, me too. 
I, uh, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about the best four teams in the country, the, the Pac-12 doesn't have one of those teams. Sammy and his interceptions worry me, and Washington just got their running game on track, but I, I don't believe it since they couldn't get it on track for Rutgers and some other teams. So now, I, I dealt with a week full of arguments on the USC message board, so I'm, I'm not critical of Sam Darnold ever. He is the greatest quarterback maybe to ever play the game. Uh, that he has almost as many touchdowns as interceptions. The argument on it's the USC board is one uh, that dropped passes. Uh, yep. Stats don't matter. And that I have right. to watch the games. And, you know, if you talk to my wife from 7.30 a.m. Pacific until about 1 a.m. Pacific, I, I don't talk to her. So uh, you'll know that uh, I watch plenty of games and I know that he's really not having that great of a season. No, he's had some interceptions that weren't his fault, but not seven of them. So he, he's been struggling. And, you know, I worry about their defense. I don't think their defense looks overly impressive either. And they got so many, you know, terrific athletes, but... That the secondary, I mean, we got two five stars on the corner, and I worry about both of them. That that's another that's you know? another line that I saw early this week. Uh, USC only minus four going up to Washington State, and you wonder, does Vegas want you to begging you to take that USC line because Washington State's going to put up huge numbers in the passing game? We'll see. Mike, Mike Leach is about to have an implosion. His team's about to get throttled. He's about to come out and say nobody tackles. We we suck. I hate everybody on my team. He'll start throwing particular players under the bus, says we can't block. I, I'm waiting for that meltdown, and it could be this week. I mean, Washington State is, looks potent on offense, but they're due to lay an egg, so we'll see. So let's get to true national title contenders. Is Michigan a true national title contender? I mean, they keep winning. Yeah, and and they did pull away from Purdue, and that is a good Purdue team. I mean, they are much, much better than I expected them to be. Uh, their defense is way better. Their offense actually has a pulse. They're moving the ball up and down the field. But I cannot be sold on Michigan. Um, maybe John O'Corn is the answer there. But And their defense is phenomenal. And they'll be in games every single game because of it. But can Michigan go to Penn State and hold down that offense and, and keep up you know, pace with them? Can they go to Wisconsin and do the same thing? Can they finally beat Ohio State? Uh, this would be the third loss in a row for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I can't say that they're a national title contender until they prove that they can kind of go up and down the field a little bit more. Um, if they can't really overpower Purdue offensively, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to beat Penn State. You know, Penn State survived at Iowa really on on the last play of the game. And usually teams that go to the you know the playoff or or, or national title contenders have one of those games that they you know, Clemson had you know did it with a loss last year. Um, some teams do it with a win, and, and Penn State did it there. And and I just can't see Michigan keeping pace with you know the offenses that they're going to be they're going to be facing through October, November. Yeah, the offense worries me, especially in the red zone. And uh, I, I will tell you this though: I was critical of uh, Jim Harbaugh and his sleepover, um, you know, recruiting tactics. But Michigan can thank their stars that. Harbaugh put on his footy pajamas and uh, and got the kicker to commit because he's their best weapon. Yeah, you know, um, without that sleepover, we don't know what what's happening at Michigan right now. We know the defense is good. We've all thought Spate wasn't very good. You know, um, O'Corn I don't think is the solution either. That's what I worry about. Their quarterback situation is just not good. Um, and 
that's why I'm not buying into them being a national title contender. Is there anybody else we're missing that's not being talked about right now? I guess that's the question. Do you got anybody? Um, can can we talk a, a Wisconsin, a Virginia Tech? Could. My aunt, could you just my said aunt. the ACC has two teams. You said the ACC has two teams. Sucks. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just said that. We're we're talking about teams. We're, I don't think USC is a national title contender right now. Um, you know, I, I'm not so sure Washington is. I, I I'd be hard pressed to believe Georgia could beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. I'm just going down the list here. Um, I I don't want to be the guy that's like the top four teams right now are going to be the four teams in the playoff because we know that's not going to happen. Um, so you know, uh, you know, Wisconsin is is strong. The the Big Ten. West is, uh, you know, terrible, so they're going to win that. So I'm just looking down the, the list here of teams that could possibly make it, and I get to 16 in Washington State, and I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to have any sort of chance. So it's a, it's a, And it's funny because we don't want to be that guy, right? But we, we are. are. Yeah, I know. Both of, our, both of our playoff picks are the top four teams in the country right now, and we know that's not going to well, happen. Well, I had Oklahoma so. State, and I got berated for oh, that. Oh, that's right. That's, uh, you, that's right. You kept Oklahoma State. That was... That's my bet. So I'm the guy who has Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Penn State, yeah. uh, you know, which is never going to happen in a million years because of history. The one team, Wisconsin, no, not with Hornybrook as a quarterback. No. I mean, he's going he's gonna to go back to Hornybrook ways, and he's going to hang a few of those outs, and it's going to cost his team with turnovers. I, I don't – he looks a little better, but I don't believe him to be a national title contending quarterback. Um, you know, you'd like to say TCU, but you know, Trill is going to have at least two games where he just throws four picks. I mean, he's just, he's going to have a couple blow up games where he's just awful. Michigan, we already said no. I'll say the team, I'll say Georgia and, and Miami. I'm going to say those two. And the reason I say Georgia, I don't think they could beat Alabama, but man, They've got a defense that looks better than they've had in, in a long time, and they've got that running game. So you can't completely count them out. And Miami is in, you know, the ACC. They're in the weaker division. Uh, they could get there. And the way Clemson looked against Boston College, you just don't know. Um, you know, so I think those two teams, but – Everybody else, and again, we're we're probably staring at either USC or Washington is going to make the playoff. We're staring at them at five and six. We're dismissing both of them. One of them is going to make the playoff, and one of them could win the national championship. Although I don't believe they will, because I just don't think when they get to the playoff that they'll be able to play with the physical defense necessary. <clears throat> but that's probably where we're missing out is five and six. You know, you but, know Michigan. But I digress. You know, Michigan. If if Harbaugh and Don Brown can figure out a way to stop. McSorley and Barkley or slow them down enough to keep that game close and kind of win it in the fourth quarter and make McSorley throw down the field. He had a little bit of trouble against Iowa's defensive front doing that because he's so small. Um, I can buy Michigan. Uh, I think they can definitely beat Ohio State this year. At Wisconsin, at Penn State is very, very tough. And obviously there are concerns about the offense, but that defense, uh, 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 you know, is going to keep them in games. And so they can steal one or two in the fourth quarter and get there. Um, and you know, with a defense so good and with defensive coaches so good, um, you know, you can't count them out yet. 
We'll see. This is you know all speculation, and what we're doing, we're hedging our bets by picking like eight teams yeah. that could do it. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do, and then next week we'll throw in a couple other teams. Like when you look down the list, you know if Utah goes six and zero or seven and zero, we're like oh, watch out for the Utes, and we'll all know that they'll have an implosion game. Speaking when of hedging it, so. their bets, it's changing your your top four mid season. Not spend season four weeks. You have to stick with what you. You have to, you know, you have to stick with it and just take your medicine. No, 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 no. You can't because you just can't because you look stupid. I can't. (laughs) I can't say. I can't say Florida State's going to make the playoff. They're zero and two. They're hot. They're hot garbage right now. I mean, I I have a a responsibility to myself and to the the millions of readers that I have to actually change uh, on a whim. And be a complete front runner. I mean, listen, I live in New England. You, you can't swing a dead cat over your head without hitting some Patriots fan that had never heard of the Patriots in the eighties yeah. or seventies. Yeah. But every one of these 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 bastards up here are all, you know, the uh, oh man, I live for the Patriots. I lived through the Hannah and the Grogan years. I mean, I just live in front runner country, so. I got to be the same way. So, uh, again, enough of that. Well, let's get Dave Barry's picks. Give me your four playoff picks. Well, okay. I'll go Alabama, Clemson. That's oh, easy. God. I, I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Tough. Well, I don't know. I kind of like uh, two – is it out of this – is it crazy to say that, that we, there could be two Big Ten teams? I mean, that conference, there's there's the four teams there that – um it's like the, the this year's sec where they kind of might beat up on each other i really like wisconsin like gordy that was kind of my my outsider's pick so i'm gonna say wisconsin and penn state both in the playoff i don't think, do you guys think? i don't think they'll allow that to ever happen well look they got the no, wrong big I, 10 team in there last year everybody can admit that now i mean ohio state had no business being there uh they did uh, but they're not going to put two and then just snub the other two powers. And five. shut out, shut out Big Twelve and pack and uh, yeah, Pac-12. they can't. They just they can't. can't. I don't think they can. They can't. Yeah. So there's too much money there, and there's too much. The playoff system needs to be successful. If they wanted it to get to eight game, uh, eight teams, if that was their goal, then that's exactly what they'd do and blow the whole thing up. But that's not what they want to do. So, so take take don't take the two Big Ten teams because you're just killing yourself. So, do you want Wisconsin or, or Penn State? All right, I'll, I'll take Wisconsin and then throw Oklahoma in there. All right. And then ask me in week ask me in week twelve because I learned from you. No. So I'll I'll have it's, four other it's week four other picks. Week eight. I mean, you got to change it every four weeks. That's you know who you the, who could be the other team, and and you're gonna hate this, Mike, is Ohio State. Um, I know, I know. I'm not gonna hate it. Listen, if Ohio State runs the table, gets in the playoffs, wins the national championship, the first person who's going to about predict about predicting that is me. <laughs> uh, Regardless of changing my entire prediction, Penn, Penn State beat them last year. They have to go to their place this year, and Urban doesn't lose to the same team two years in a row. I mean, there might just be no stopping Saquon Barkley's the best player, one of the best running backs in many many years. He's uh, I watched that entire Iowa game. He's just so phenomenal. Um, but Ohio State is a team that you know losing early for some reason is better. Uh, and you know, urban, if he could figure out that offense and kind of get things going, that's a team to watch at, at number 11, there's always that team. And like the, the low teens or 10, 11, that just, you know, week after week just creeps up as other teams lose and why losing early is better. I don't know, but, uh, it is. And so that's a team to watch at 11. Well, if Ohio state does win it all, I will repost my prediction 
over and over and over again. And that'll be two straight years that I've picked the national championship at the beginning of the season. So if it does happen, there's nobody smarter than me. So speaking of Barkley, better than Ezekiel Elliott, better than Fournette, better than McCaffrey. What say you, Gorney? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think he's definitely better than Elliott. McCaffrey is a tough one because he's kind of similar. You know, he, he's got great speed. He can get to the edge. He's, he, he leads the Big Ten in receiving. Um, you know, he's just a phenomenal player. I, I would say yes, better than McCaffrey because he's just so much stronger and tough to bring down. He hurdled a guy and in midair got hit in the thigh and stayed up and kept running. Uh, you know, a, a linebacker had him dead to rights on the sideline. He made one move and ran for another 15 yards. He's, he's automatically seven, eight yards with the ball in his hands. Um, if anything, he reminds me a little bit more of a, like a better Dalvin Cook. Um, Fournette's a different kind of running back. He doesn't have the dynamic ability to the outside that Barkley has. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who, with the ball in his hands, he's going to get yards every single time. He never goes down in the backfield. He's incredibly difficult to tackle, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So, yes, I'd say he's better than all of them. Uh, it, yeah, it's tough. I mean, obviously, Elliott and the, the rookie season he had and how good he was at Ohio State, that's, that's tough to say. He's better than him, but when you put in the ability to catch the football – and the weapon he is in the passing game, you could give him a nod. The reason I asked for it was because, you know, all those guys were top eight picks in the NFL draft. And um, I think it's a quarterback heavy group for 2018. Um, but I still think Barkley will go in that four, five, six range. Um, McCaffrey, I mean, broke Barry Sanders' record for all purpose yards. Uh, so it's hard to say he's better than him. But as a pure running back, when you're talking about NFL ability, the size and strength and power are there. The, the pass catching, I think McCaffrey's a little bit better route runner and all that stuff. And then Fournette is, you know, I, he's not stronger. He's bigger. So you, you wonder if he could you'd take the pounding, although he got hurt in college quite a bit. So I will say he reminds me of Priest Holmes. Uh, Priest Holmes, Kansas City Chiefs days when he was just so dominant as a runner and a, and a, and a receiver and sort of that squat, super physically strong running back who just bounces off everybody, but yet has great hands and can make you miss in the open field as well and runs so low to the ground. And I think he's definitely special. So I will put him in this order just because I love to put things in order as an NFL prospect. I'll go Barkley one. Then I'm going to go Elliot then Fournette, and then McCaffrey, a distant fourth when it comes to NFL uh, capabilities. Because McCaffrey, I don't know what he did yesterday, but he's off to a little bit of a slow start. And every time I see him, I expect him to just explode into a thousand pieces when he gets hit because he's just 200 pounds or not. He's small. You know, the interesting thing with Barkley is if an NFL team can kind of combine him, you know, if a Deshaun Watson, Saquon Barkley backfield could happen and Barkley can prolong plays and I'm sorry, Watson could prolong plays and even run a little bit, which he's been doing and, and has looked excellent. Uh, kind of replicate that McSorley-Barkley backfield, which is kind of unstoppable um, on the NFL. And, you know, you can't have your quarterback taking hits like that. But just to have that option, that capability, it would be interesting to see if that's how he's going to be used in the NFL because he's not a straight between the tackles running back, and so he can't be used that way. 
No, he can be. Barkley? He can be. He can be, he but, can there, be. but he oh, yeah. so much more. It would be a shame if that's the only way he was used. Well, listen, I mean, he's so strong yeah. that, you know, when we're talking about McCaffrey, he can't be an in-between-the-tackles 25-30 carry guy. You know, and then Fournette, obviously, you see is that type of guy, and, and he's getting a ton of touches for the Jags. And, and Elliott, you can see, is that type of guy. Barkley could be that guy for sure. I mean, he is just so physically strong. He's stronger than any yeah. of them. Um, you know. Yeah, he um, squats and cleans like 450 pounds. And you can see it. I mean, you just see the way, by the way he runs and how easy it is for him to shake arm tackles. Or if you try to, you know, uh, hit him low, he could bounce off you and all that stuff too. So, I think that the reason the, the Panthers weren't going to take Fournette and they've targeted McCaffrey if Fournette fell to them or thought about trading up or whatever is because they didn't want to pair a power running back in a shotgun situation with a quarterback that can run. So I think Barkley is going to get drafted by somebody who doesn't have a mobile quarterback, runs a traditional under center set, and I think he's going to be fantastic in whatever whatever team that is. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody expects the Jets and the Browns and, and those teams to have an opportunity to pick him. Um, I think in either of those situations, he would be excellent. Who else is really horrible in the NFL? I'm trying to Indianapolis. think. Indianapolis? Um, yeah, I mean, there's another one. I mean, they could definitely utilize him. I mean, the, the, the way they run their offense. So I think – there's going to be a lot of teams tempted. It's going to it's going to be a team that has a quarterback that doesn't need one. Uh, it could be as high as three, or even two, or someone could trade up and 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 grab him. But he's going to go high, and I think he's better than all of them just because of his ability to catch. But the, that the running backs are back. You know, the first round running backs are back, which is great to see. You know, Todd Gurley went off on Thursday night, and you know they have no offensive line, but. You know, he did he did well, and he's a very talented guy. And, and Melvin Gordon, I know, got hurt yesterday, but he's been getting better. And I think first-round NFL running backs are back, which is good to see because for a while there, it, Trent Richardson ruined it for everybody. <laughs> I just don't want him to end up in Cleveland because you know how that goes. <laughs> but, but Deshaun Kaiser is the next coming of uh, Joe Montana or whatever, remember? I mean – he had a good he had a good preseason, so everybody deemed him as you know they called us idiots. And what's he had six six picks in his last two games or something? I mean, I just love the the, the hype of the early season hype, the preseason hype, all that stuff. Um, and speaking of hype, Dave Barry's going to take us into. We should probably have this sponsored, but we have no sponsors. Uh, it should be like the Honda Heisman front runner or something like that, but. Uh, Nobody even knows we exist, so I guess we'll just call out the Heisman front runner section. Yeah, that's probably already taken by somebody somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, so what do you guys think after after that talk about Saquon Barkley? Is he both uh, at the top of your Heisman list? No, not not mine. Uh, no, no, it's Baker Mayfield. Uh, he is going to win the Heisman Trophy, I believe. Uh, as long as they continue to win, as long as they go to the playoffs, as long as he continues to put up good numbers. I mean, I know his numbers weren't that great this past weekend, but he still threw three touchdowns, no picks. Quarterbacks win it unless running backs rush for 2,000 yards, or they do what McCaffrey did, which is break Barry Sanders' and he still record can't and still win. don't yeah. win it. 
No. So, I mean, no, Barkley is not my front runner as Baker Mayfield. Um, and that's, I don't think that's going to change. I think the gap is growing between Mayfield and other You players. know, what's a shame is that, uh, the Heisman's supposed to go to the best player in college football, not the best player on one of the best teams. And so, you know, if we want to throw Josh Rosen's name out, I will for sure. He leads the country in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And he plays on a very, very average team. Uh, he has more passing. He has 230 more passing yards than Mason Rudolph. Uh, way more than Lamar Jackson, you know, almost more than 400 more passing yards in Baker Mayfield. And he's playing with very average receivers, a very average offensive line. And uh, he looks phenomenal. So I think uh, Rosen should definitely be in the conversation. I don't think Barkley is just for, for the same point you made, Mike. Christian McCaffrey set NCAA records for most yards, and he couldn't win it. Um, so, you know, Baker Mayfield's definitely in the running and should be considered. But if we're talking about the best player in college football, I don't think that's Baker Mayfield. Well, uh, you know, either way, either way, either way there, Rosen's putting up massive numbers, but he does have the horrendous defense that keeps him on the field every second to help him out. And listen, there are no bigger fans than Josh Rosen than us. I mean, last year, how many tweets did I get about what a moron I am for having Josh Rosen so high and saying that he was the best quarterback that I've ever scouted on film or in person and blah, blah, blah. He sucks. He's a wuss. He doesn't like football, all this other crap. But it, it is, it comes down to also winning. I mean, you could put up a billion yards. I mean, who is the, the Hawaii? Yeah. Um, um, uh, Tommy, Tommy Chung. Chang. 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 Uh, you know, I mean, you could put up a billion yards and that's how it used to be, you know, Andre Ware winning it and stuff. It's not that way anymore. You have to be on a good team. You have to lead your team to key victories. You have to, uh, be in the mix. I put Christian Wilkins on my list last week and everybody laughed at me because of his statistics. But if you want to talk about, and everybody knows what a big Derwin James fan I am, but certainly last week, this past weekend wasn't a great game for anybody on defense for Florida state. Um, Christian Wilkins is probably the most disruptive defensive player in the country. Um, and that includes, you know, the guys that get more credit as the outside pass rushers or the linebackers. He is just a beast. And he changes the way everybody blocks, everybody game plans against them. It, it helps Dexter Lawrence is next to him. But Christian Wilkins is a freak of nature. And I'm not just saying that because he's a Massachusetts kid who played in Connecticut. He's just a freak. But Baker Mayfield is the Heisman guy right now. Lead us into hot garbage. Do you have a next week? You're gonna have to have a hot garbage like song or something. We have a right? sponsor for this one. Yeah, well, maybe we'll get it in this week. <laughs> yeah, waste from, from one sponsorless waste segment to another. Hot garbage. <laughs> waste management. Yeah, waste management. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. <laughs> Tennessee has to lead hot garbage. I mean, come on. Uh, you man. I watched. I watched that game. You messed. Yeah, I watched. I watched that game, and it was, it was one of those games where it almost looked like Tennessee was intentionally trying to keep it close. It was pitiful how bad they were. UMass was down. They didn't have Adam Brenneman. He was out again with another injury. They they lost their quarterback, and then they started punting the ball with seven minutes left from about their the Tennessee's forty yard line. And still they had a chance at the end to, to win the game. It was very, very hot garbage-like. It's pathetic. It was stunk through the TV screen. And 
you know, the, the, the issue is, did you see the teams, the list of teams that, uh, that, that UMass have lost to so far? Yeah. This season? They lost to Hawaii. They lost to, Oh God. I think old dominion, <laughs> um, two other just wretchedly awful football teams. And, you know, they're just not good. And their only weapon is Brenneman. And still, you know, they couldn't even cover the line and they, and they, and they had a, a chance to lose that game. I mean, and the, the sad part is the offensive line, which has been actually fairly good for, for Tennessee compared to especially the last couple of years, they look horrible. So, you know, they were getting driven, you know, not, not, not back, but they, they were, they were having trouble with the speed and the different formations of UMass and all this other stuff. And it's like, how can you even have that game be close? And I think that type of that type of win puts him on the hot seat as much as you know the Florida. What loss. puts him on the hot seat is you know they showed the the crowd with about three minutes left in that game, and it was a four point game, and there was maybe fifteen twenty thousand people there. They had either left or didn't even show up or just went back to their tailgates to drown their sorrows because that was such an ugly game. So UMass lost to Hawaii by three, to Coastal Carolina by ten, to Old Dominion by ten, and to Temple by eight. And they and they now, co- co- yeah, Coastal Carolina, it sounds like a team that plays it sounds like a team that actually plays on the water. Like they play on like a battleship or something. Like they're not even really a football team. They just sort of like on a cruise ship take on football teams. I mean, how on earth do you lose to them? So those four teams that they lost to, they almost beat Tennessee. It's it's a joke, and it's it's just absolute hot garbage. And Florida State, now that was my lock of the week, you remember. Now, I, I didn't have the guts last week to say that NC State would win outright because I'm a wuss, but – I did say that was my lock of the week. They were getting 13 and a half at Florida State. Florida State hadn't played in a couple games. Um, and overall, they were starting a true freshman. But I figured the defense would put the clamps on NC State enough where NC State would cover but lose. But to lose outright to them and the defense to look so poorly, that's hot garbage. You know what's hot garbage? And I don't think it's going to happen, so everybody settle. But uh... – Florida State could be 0-6. They go to Wake Forest, undefeated Wake Forest. They play Miami. They go to undefeated Duke. And then they host Louisville. So if they look like they did against NC State, and I think NC State's a pretty good team, actually. But um, if they look the way they do and they can't move the ball and they can't score and Blackman looks confused and can't do anything with the ball, this could be really, really hot garbage. But if they go... Okay, so they're not going to go on 0 and 6. We know that, but still, let's say they go 0 and 6. What happens in Tallahassee? Like, what? Right now, people are upset. They want the defense coordinator fired. They're 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 tired of Jimbo and his you know contract demands and in getting raise after raise and using LSU as leverage annually. One one loss to NC State, and they're already ready to get. Well, that's how fans are. You imagine Owen six. That, that's what that's what annoys know, me but... about fans is they hire a coach and can't wait to fire him half the time. So, uh, the, it, but imagine Owen six. They'll, they'll throw out this season and move on, and then they'll complain about it all all year on sports talk radio in Tallahassee. And Jimbo Fisher is probably 
other than Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh, the most secure coach in the country. But I will tell you this, and again, zero and six is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it won't Adam Gorney said that he's and he's what? What's your Twitter? Is it? At I didn't Adam say Gorney? it. I said it's not going to happen. They're not going to lose to Duke. All right. Well, Gorney said you're going to go zero and six, Florida State fans. So <laughs> if you do go zero and six, though, could you ever picture Nick Saban going zero and six, or could you ever picture Jim Harbaugh going zero and six? I mean, or Urban Meyer going zero and six? Like, no. Now again, Wake Forest is not a very good football team. They're undefeated, but they're they're not very good. Um, and then who did you say after that? I mean, Duke. Come on, Duke's not that good either. Um, Cutcliffe's a good coach, but Lu- NC State, I think, was just walk, walking into the right situation because yeah, Louisville could Louisville and Miami. They were walking. Yeah, Miami's a good team, but they always lose to Florida State, don't they? And uh, you know, at least yeah. lately. And then so, but. You know, NC State was walking into the right situation. I mean, you can't miss two weeks of football and go out there with a true freshman quarterback and click on all cylinders. So that's why I felt it was a good lock. But even if they go three and three through six, this is a team that was supposed to be in the playoff, and it's not going to go well. So things are going to be ugly. Um, And then I guess I don't know who else would be on hot garbage. I mean, UCLA's defense is hot garbage, but does anybody really even care? Um, LSU doesn't look great. I don't. I don't think they're hot garbage. Um, uh, it, it's tough. Hot garbage is tough. We got to be tough. I mean, Oregon looked like hot garbage because they lost to the, one of the worst defenses known to man. Um, so that was hot garbage too. But you got to be picky with hot garbage because if you have eighty-five teams in there. Um, but I think it's the first time Florida State's been unranked since 2011 or something like that. What about North North Carolina's hot yeah, garbage? That's, that's correct. They are hot garbage. That's bad. That is bad. Bad. And how about Larry? How about Larry Fedora? You know, like a guy who was being talked about at one point as you know a successor to Charlie Strong, who has been mentioned as a potential successor to Kevin Sumlin, who was talked about in the LSU discussion if they didn't get Tom Herman. Now, it, it, nobody's talking about Fedora at all. And that's how quickly you can go from, you know, a hot commodity to hot garbage. Somebody needs to sponsor this. This is really just, this is like, not hot garbage is nothing new. Certainly, it's not inventive, nor is it really interesting. But it's so it's so fun to say hot garbage. That rings in the advertiser's just, ear. It's not interesting. It's not new. And it's not inventive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's hot garbage. It sounds so cool to say. I mean, you just want to say it. So, so we go from hot garbage to. Next up, we got we got an update on the hot seat. Let's quickly go over coaches. Uh, who you guys think is are. are which coaches are now? This is new. No uh, one talks on about seat. hot seat, right? This is this is definitely a new topic. No, this is this is brand. This is sponsorable because this is something we yeah, made up ourselves entirely. Like hot seat has never been used before, so um, I think you know, reach out to Dave Barry. I won't give his email address out because he'll just get like eighty-year-old double cougar stalkers emailing him and stuff like that. <laughs> I I, oh, get, I already get enough yeah. of those. Just hit me up on Twitter at Real at Dave, Real Dave Barry or at Rivals Mike or at Adam Gorney. You can hit us up if you want to sponsor this this innovative hot seat topic. 
but I got Riley number two after the AD went down. I got Brett Bielema number one right now. Uh, th- in the battle of hot seats, you know, they should have had like some sort of uh, CGI of Kevin Sumlin's ass on fire and Brett Bielema's ass on fire on the sidelines as those two teams played because both of them are in such hot seats Brett right Bielema's now. Brett Bielema's ass now, that's um, a picture. <laughs> on fire. Um, but that 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 game itself, I mean, you know, Arkansas's offensive line looked horrible. They couldn't protect the quarterback. They're all about physical football, and and they just, you know, I mean, they let a freshman quarterback score on a ninety-yard touchdown that was called back for idiotic officiating. But you know, those those guys, Sumlin, Bielema, Riley. And uh, you added a couple guys. I'll let you discuss those. Well, let's guys. talk Mike Riley first. I mean, they look bad against Rutgers. They look bad against Rutgers. They look bad at. They're two and two, and they look bad in all four games. Uh, the offense is really poor. And when the when the AD gets fired, and the chancellor of the school and the president of the school talk about competitiveness, that's a that's a clear sign that uh, Mike Riley's on the hot seat. Very nice guy. But Nebraska wants 11 win seasons, not nice guys as head coach. So, um, you know, he's got to win. And I think he has to win big because they're going to bring somebody in just like every other school does that, uh, you know, gets rid of the old AD's choices and brings in his own people. So it's going to be interesting um, if he can continue his job because the – you know, it's not looking good for Mike Riley. But the other two guys, Jim Mora and Butch Jones. Jim Mora, I think it's now 10 years that UCLA has lost to Stanford. Um, you know, the, they could have lost to Texas A&M. They came back there. They looked The, the defense looked absolutely awful against Stanford, um, a team that really can't put up points very, very quickly. Uh, but they did anyway. And then, you know, Butch Jones, like we've talked about before, Beating UMass by four, uh, you know, a lot of tough games coming up for them and, and about fifteen or 20,000 people in the stadium at the end of the game there. Everybody walked out going, I can't believe we just beat UMass by four points. Yeah, so I think, th- though I do think with Illinois coming up, I think they just have to solve one problem in Nebraska. They just have to let their quarterback know that you don't throw to the guy who's wearing the opposite color uniform. You know, it, Once they can get that figured out, then maybe they can and, and Illinois, I've seen them play two or three times this year. That is not a very good team. And so, um, you know, but they do have some pretty smart defensive coaches there. We'll see if they can keep it close. Illinois just can't really score. Um, and so Nebraska, if, if they're in that game. But, you know, after that, it's Wisconsin and Ohio State, a bye week at Purdue, which is a much better team. Northwestern, Minnesota, which is a much better team. Penn State and Iowa. It's going to be tough, and it's setting up very, very badly for them. And uh, Illinois can't score, but either can Rutgers. But if you do throw the ball right to a defensive back for a pick six, that helps. It helps a lot. And that's what Nebraska has really become very well known for in recent weeks. So, I don't think Illinois will win. I, I did say that if they lost to Rutgers and Illinois, he'd be gone right now, even without an athletic director, even without a new hire, because it, it, that's just ultimately embarrassing. He got through Rutgers, and again, they were losing. He'll get through Illinois, and then they hit the teeth of the schedule, and then he could move up to number one. Although they got to get rid of Bielema in Arkansas. It's been long enough. 
they're Jekyll and Hyde. They play well one game, and then they look awful the next game. But this year, they look kind of awful in every game. And uh, and Butch, you know, everybody said if he goes seven and five, he's safe. But man, that team looks horrible. So we'll see if he does. And let's wrap it up with the freshman quarterbacks. And the only reason I put this topic up here is because I thought from it's a little five star brag, you know, from looked good and. He's been he's been playing well, and they've asked him to sort of be a game manager and not make mistakes, which is which is important. But Kellen Mond, all of you guys, every one of you, you so-called coworkers, uh, cr- crapped on me when I insisted that Mond was a five star in our meetings. Now again, it's early, but that's what we do. We overreact to everything. The guy is putting it together. Uh, he's just won an overtime game. He got a 90-yard touchdown call back. He ran for over 100 yards. He's starting to put it together. The accuracy issues that everybody worried about, they're still there. But as he grows, I think he could be pretty special. It's going to be for a different coach. So if they hire an offensive coach, they could really work with him. He could be special. He is a dynamic runner. I'll give him that. I mean, he can really get out there and make people miss. And He's kind of awkward when he runs and even more awkward when he throws, but he does get it done. I mean, that that touchdown run was definitely a top 10 run, you know, play of the of the of the week even even though he didn't step out of bounds and it was called back and then they had to settle for a field goal and stuff like that, but um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, if if people can hem him in and make him throw deep, Texas A&M's in trouble cuz he doesn't have accuracy throwing the ball deep. He never did and he still doesn't. He just overthrows everything. Um, but he can get out and, and make people miss, and he's been impressive. But the, the real question is, when Jacob Eason returns from injury, when, whenever that happens, you know, the rule in sports is usually you don't lose your starting job because of injury, but can you replace Jake Fromm? No, and that's the dumbest rule in sports because, you know what, if you're winning, you don't make any changes at all. Now, again, if they if Eason gets back healthy and they decide to stick with Fromm and and he has a horrible game and they end up losing, then you can make a move. But right now, you don't touch yeah. anything. You keep it the way it is. And, you know, equally interesting is what they do at Texas with Ellinger and, and, and Bouchelle because a lot of people weren't sold on Bouchelle being the guy. Um, you know, Ellinger, Ellinger showed a lot of heart against USC, and obviously he's a bit shaky as you would expect a true freshman to be, but um, he brings more of a an ability to move around. And I don't know, that's going to be an interesting one as well. Um, and then James Blackman, there's just no choice. I mean, they really don't have anybody else. I think they could throw in there and I think he's just going to have to grow through these, these, uh, these issues, but it's, there's a lot of freshman quarterback, true freshman quarterbacks playing out there on, on big teams. Um, some doing pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, Blackman going up, like you said, going up against NC State in his first game. And they have a, a pretty tough defense, I think. I think NC State's a pretty good team. Um, we'll see, and he'll grow. And, you know, obviously week one to week two is, is a big change and, and all those kinds of things. But it's going to be interesting to see what Texas does. It seems like Herman wants Ellinger to be his guy, uh, to start with him and to, and to, and to go there. But... Uh, you know, we'll see as they go along. But the interesting thing is is the Fromm thing. If Eason comes back, can you can you bench him for for a freshman who's playing well? We'll see how that goes and how Kirby handles it because it is a delicate situation. There's no doubt about it, and it probably plays into how 
uh, Justin Fields looks at things because if Fromm's the guy, then that means Fields has to sit for two years at least. It's time to wrap it up. Fat lady isn't singing, but I will swear to God that a very, very large woman just jogged past my house <laughs> wearing a, wearing a dress, like wearing a dress, but up top was this spandexy thing with a headband, jogging at a very good clip. We're talking like a maybe a, a, an eight point on a. Is there a house on fire down the road or? <laughs> I have no idea, but I just looked at that. I'm like, that's time to wrap it up. She wasn't singing, but the fat lady has jogged past the house, so it's time to wrap this bad boy up. Uh, and let's let's thank the Lord that this is an audio-only podcast. There's no video involved. You would have so. seen my face and been like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, with that, let's get out of here. Remember, follow us on Twitter at Adam Gorney, at uh, rivals mike and at real dave barry remember too to leave us a review on itunes that helps us out a lot so thanks for listening we'll do it again uh here probably in a couple days or next week we'll see you later